0: Hello, my friend. We get to be together today. Yippee skippee. All right. Today, I'm going to be talking about perfectionism. It's so funny that I don't use that word very often in the show and how ideal is it because I'm talking about cloaking from perfectionism, hiding in plain sight. Before I do that, I want to talk about the show, small ways and big ways you can support the show. People often ask me, what are things that I can do? So one of the things that I have made a decision about, and I've continued to circle back over the years to check in because so many people say, Corrine, you should be running ads. That can be a way to offset the cost, the production costs of the show, and you can drive revenue. And I think about it and I just don't like that model. For me, I don't personally like to listen to podcasts that have an ad. It feels like a distraction. And then the other thing I notice with my brain is when the ad happens, I tend to think somewhere else and then I have to bring my brain back. (laughs) It's like, come back here, Corinne's brain. I have to bring my brain back and I'm usually behind. And so, because I was disengaged. So I don't do ads on the show because I don't like ads and I've figured out other ways to financially support this show. And so when I explain that to people, they say, well, okay, how can we help support this show? So here are the small ways that you can help. Share the show with a friend. It's so awesome. I love when listeners tell me, oh my gosh, I have these coffee talks with my mom or with my best friend. And we talk about the latest episode that is awesome. That's you taking the show and the intellectual and helping apply it more into your life. It's the application that makes change. It's not just the information. So by you doing that with somebody else is going to help you take this level to a deeper level in your own life. Yay you. So remember, share it with friends. It's okay if they don't, you know, go and jump in immediately. You may need to tell them a bunch of times. The other thing you can do is leave an Apple podcast review. I used to call these iTunes reviews, but now Apple's rebranded their name and it's called Apple podcast. Go leave a review. These reviews allow other people to hear, Hey, what does so-and-so think? Why do they listen to the show? What have they learned? What is their takeaway? Is this show worth my time? So that's one aspect for the other audience members out there who are looking for something. And then the other is with the reviews, there's an algorithm that happens and you leaving a review feeds into that algorithm beast that goes on. Now, those are the small ways you can support the show. The big ways that you can support the show, because this is what drives the income into producing the show and the production costs, is when I offer workshops, sign up for a workshop. I have group coaching and private coaching right now. We're accepting applications for the enough group. And I also have a couple spots in my private coaching practice, and we're going to have a a workshop in April. So make sure you are on my email list so that you receive notifications of this information, or you can go to my website, howshereallydoesit.com. And if you're interested in the enough group, go and apply for enough there. So these vehicles is what creates the financial resources to produce this show. So you have many ways to do this. Small ways, share it with a friend, leave a review on Apple podcasts. Big ways you can support this show to create financial resources for the show is to sign up for workshops, group or private coaching, if that's something you need. All right. Now we're going to talk about cloaking from perfectionism. Now what is cloaking? Cloaking is hiding in plain sight. And what's perfectionism? What's perfect? Perfect is this promise that if I look perfect, act perfect, be perfect, I'm going to be safe, right? It's going to be like just this perfection in our lives. And I've had this interesting love-hate relationship with perfect over the course of my life. Growing up, I the message was be perfect, Karin, be perfect. And you know, if you're really good at what you do, then you're going to be safe, right? And we know just from current events, you can be really smart, really good at what you do and not be the chosen one. So when I was in junior high school, I was really hustling for my worthiness. And it was like, okay, if I'm just really perfect. And I remember I had these, went shopping and had these clothes I was so proud of. And I had this bob and I was learning how to do makeup and I would make my hair perfect. I would iron clothes like, oh my gosh, the ironing clothes, like I don't even know where my iron is now. That is not how I want to spend my time. If you love to iron, yay, you, yippee, skippy, it's not my thing. But in eighth grade, I was doing it not because I loved it, I did it because I was trying to be perfect so that I could belong, but it really I was fitting in. But I wanted to be a part of you know whatever group I was trying to be a part of. and I had this like pink pencil skirt. I remember I would iron it and try to get all the creases out of it and spend a lot of energy and brain juice on that. Well, all of that energy as a swimmer and also a student, it wasn't sustainable. I could do it for periods of time and then I would just kind of blow it up. And I was really good at that whole, you know, wild child dictator. Like, let me dictate to myself, beat myself up and make myself do this, but do it from a place that was really graspy and wasn't going to be standing. And then I would go the wild child. And so then in high school, at some point, I was like, well, screw that. I'm wearing a scrunchie in my hair. I'm showing up in sweats and I'm not going to get dressed up for all you people. Now, when I get dressed up, I get dressed up for myself. But back then it was, oh, I need to get dressed up so that I can fit in. That was like junior high and high school and so on and letting go. And then finally, I was like, screw this perfection thing. I'm going to let it go. Well, it's still in my subconscious. Right. It's still deeply programmed because whether it's cultural programming, our family of origin, you know, our moms or dads or, you know, aunts or our grandmothers telling us, you need to look a certain way. You need to be a certain way to be accepted. There's all these different voices in our heads. And so part of my own evolution was there was this rebelling of, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not going to do that. And then came along the most important sentence. Perfection is the birthplace to shame. And that's from Brene Brown. And I was like, wait, what? Perfection is the birthplace for shame. One, I didn't like shame, didn't like the word, wanted nothing to do with the word. And here we're going to talk about perfection is the birthplace for shame. And it probably took me a bit of time to really understand that. But this hustle, this trying to be perfect dialed up, we think it's going to create safety and acceptance, but what it's doing is it's creating this fraud, this facade. Like when I think about that pink pencil skirt, it's like, well, if I just get all the wrinkles out, I'll be accepted. I'll be liked, right? That was the promise of my eighth grade self. But really that skirt could be really vulnerable because what if it wasn't accepted, right? And it was a way to, in some ways, armor up myself to protect myself from the criticism because, oh, well, see, I just didn't have the right skirt versus maybe people just didn't like me but this whole idea of perfection and shame and this lifelong experience that I've had with it of, you know, being told that I need to be perfect in order to be loved and accepted or, and it was never in those direct messages, but it's the hidden messages or to be chosen or to be worthy enough in the work that I want to do. And, you know, my future, this word perfect had created such a prison wall in my life. And so, As an adult, at some point, I wound up letting it go and realizing, especially once I learned that perfection is the birthplace of shame, I was like, okay, I made a decision. I'm going to not have perfectionism in my life anymore. There's not going to be any more all or nothing. I'm going to live in the space in between. I'm going to live in the, instead of a black and white life, it's going to be very much living in the different shades of gray. And I was going to cultivate a growth mindset and eliminate the word perfect from my vocabulary. I own the fact that I was a slow learner. And that gave me the space to be able to practice mastery because I was so hard on myself of, hey, Corinne, you're smart. You can figure things out. You can learn things very quickly intellectually. But to really ingrain it into my life, it took practice. And so by having that space of I'm a slow learner, it gave me the opportunity to understand something and apply it. It's what I invite you to do on the show of here's this information. Now go and take it and apply it in your life and practice and practice and know that you're going to fall down and also know that you're going to rise back up. So as I started to understand more about shame and started to learn of, okay, what does it feel like in my body? Because you want to talk about not liking shame, I disconnected from shame. I didn't want to have a voice in the back of my head saying, Corinne, you're bad. Like I knew it was there, but I was hiding from it and I didn't want to feel it because it didn't feel good. I started to understand what were the messages, what were the stories in my mind that dialed up that shame? How was I comparing myself? How was I beating myself up? How was I, you know, so much in self-judgment, self-criticism so that I can learn how to feel the shame to understand what are the stories and not be afraid of them and realize that a lot of this stuff was what i was making things mean in my brain and instead of being afraid of it i can unpack it and move through it and what i mean unpack it unpack the stories in my head what are the things that i was telling myself what are the promises that i was making what was going to be the future But I had to be very rigid in order to get there. That's another way to do it, say perfectionism without saying the word perfectionism. So by understanding shame and understanding letting go of perfectionism, I was no longer reacting to the shame most of the time. And remember, that's really important is that as we evolve, as we evolve to the best versions of ourselves, as we evolve to being the leaders of our lives and living the life that we want to do versus what everybody else has told us to do. It doesn't mean that we never make mistakes or that we are at times, you know, we're always supposed to be shame resilient, which means that we can feel shame and move through it. There's going to be times that we're going to react to it. That's okay. That's part of being human in this human experience. But so as I've been able to do this work, I've become more shame resilient and I feel pretty good. Like I understand shame. I can get into shame storms and move through things at much quicker rate than I used to. So then I thought, I was like, oh, okay, I'm done with being perfect. I've eliminated it from my vocabulary. I've been cultivating a growth mindset. I understand shame. I've given myself the space to practice and become more mastered at it. I'm done with it. (laughs) Here's where I'm laughing with myself, (laughs) because as soon as we think we're done with it, guess what? We're going to learn a lesson, and I know better, is that we start to find out where other areas in our life that this could be showing up. Well, about eight months ago, I realized that perfectionism had these little sneaky holds on my life and it was so fascinating. And instead of using the word perfect, because remember I eliminated that word, I was using a cloak for perfect. Cloak is hiding in plain sight. That's what, think about a cloak. It's hiding in plain sight. So I, instead of saying perfect, like, oh, I need to do this perfectly. I was saying, oh, I need to be productive and it to be efficient, but it wasn't in a place of love and compassion. It was really rooted in shame. It was this, you know, Corinne, you can't screw up. You're too busy, blah, blah, You know, you need to be efficient, get things done. Like if you just do it all perfectly, then you're going to have all this free time and it's going to be fantastic. And there won't be the struggle, all these promises, but really it was in a self-defeating, self-sabotaging way because what I found out, what I realized was I was still trying to be perfect. The good news is that when I realized this, I smiled really big and I laughed with myself, not at myself, but with myself. Because remember how earlier I said that having shame resilience and knowing that while I can understand shame and move through shame and most of the time, not react to shame, I will at times react to shame. It doesn't mean I'm Less evolved or less shame resilient. It's part of being a human and being a human experience. So I went, wow. I was so fascinated actually with how I've been sneaking and outsmarting myself with this whole perfectionism thing and realizing that, oh, productive and efficient could be my other ways of still trying to be perfect. So one of the ways that I have learned about how to know this difference between being productive and efficient. And it being a shame trigger, being perfectionism versus being productive and efficient and really want to mastering your time and energy output is noticing how you feel. What is your feeling state? Noticing how your body feels. So when I am efficient and productive from a place of mastery state from, you know, I'm noticing I'm really compassionate and I'm focused and it can even be joyful and playful. There can be a sense of love and there can be grace. So those are when, when I'm being efficient and productive and those are the different feeling states, they're not all going to happen at one time. So I'm giving you different ones for you to tap into. Notice that that is very different than when you're cloaking in perfectionism and you saying being efficient and productive. And when I'm cloaking in perfectionism in that way, I notice that I have tension physical tension in my shoulders and my neck. I notice tightness in my chest. My jaws clenched. I feel immense weight coming down on my shoulders. Mm. That is shame, right? That is me in perfectionism when I'm trying to be perfect, but I'm saying that I'm productive and efficient. That for me is being rooted in shame. There's no space for me and only what I'm supposed to do perfectly. So an example of this is that when I realize this, I was trying to be productive and efficient and I had a bunch of errands to go and run and five minutes down the road, realized I'd forgotten something and I was starting to get really frustrated and I realized in that moment, like, oh, Corinne, here's your wave. You're trying to be perfect. And of course you forgot that and you have a choice. You can either go back and get it or can it be done another day, another time by you or here's the kicker and this is really vulnerable by somebody else. And I don't even remember what decision I made. I think I said, I realized I could go ahead and carry on and that could be done later. And it was going to be done by me and that would be okay. And I figured out a time. So I figured this all out. And then I left with myself and I owned my story to a people at that time in my life. And I said, Oh my gosh, here's something I've been about myself. And I owned my story and I loved myself. And that's how I was able to move through it and why I'm able to here to share with you about cloaking from perfectionism. So before we go any further, I want to get into this idea of the promise of perfectionism. I talked about it a little bit briefly in the beginning of the show, but this promise of perfectionism, it's like, if I do it perfectly, I'll be saved. I'll be loved. I'll be worthy of love, right? That was the whole pink skirt. I won't be judged. I will be accepted. I will belong. I do a really good job, then people are going to appreciate the work that I do. If I do a really good job, I'll have, you know, better job opportunities in my career. But here's the thing: perfection doesn't create the promised land that we think it does. Instead, it creates the opposite because it dials up shame, which means I am bad. I am not worthy of love and belonging. I am bad. I'm an imposter. I can't do the work that I want to be hired to do. Those, my friend are not safe messages. And it's not true about you. We all have the ability to learn, to grow, to evolve. We also, as we're learning and growing, we're going to fall down and make mistakes, but then we get back up and we can rise further. So this whole idea of perfectionism is I want you to look at your life and notice Where are you maybe using a different word, but it's really you being perfect. It's the boundaries, the container, the responsibilities that you have towards that is that you must do it perfectly. You're just not saying it. And instead, I invite you to own your story and love yourself as you unpack this. Own your story of like, just like I did. Oh my gosh, Corinne, you're using efficient and productive as a word that you're cloaking from perfectionism, but really you're trying to be perfect because the idea, the promises is that if you get this all perfectly done, then you're going to have more time for X, Y, and Z. It's like the whole Cinderella story. And instead it's about do this. These are important things that need to get done and also make time for the things that you want to do in your life. I don't really like to run errands. I don't run a whole lot of errands, but when I do, I do want to get them done. But what I've learned how to do is make time for the things that are really important in my life as well, not do it as a Cinderella version. So I'll never forget that day driving down the road and getting frustrated that I'd forgotten something and I wouldn't be productive and realizing I was trying to be perfect to maximize time. But that lesson And this is an example of owning the story. That lesson, that falling down moment turned out to be a lesson so valuable because it allowed me to see how I was trying to live perfectly. And then by doing that and hiding in plain sight, I was using a different word for perfect. I was using efficient and productive. And because of that falling down moment, I was able to gather insight. I was able to evolve again further. I was able to use this with my clients. And now I'm here on the show sharing this story with you to plant some nuggets of insight so that you can take a look at your own life. So it's your turn to test this out for yourself. Give yourself permission to learn, to make mistakes, to do what you know you aren't supposed to do. Give yourself lots of self-compassion. We really need it we do. And self-compassion doesn't mean like, oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter, you know, and have a disregard or I don't care. It's what's working. What can be improved? What can I learn from this? Self-compassion is kindness, realizing we're not the only ones and it's mindfulness, the ability to understand our thoughts and our feelings without attaching to them, being kind to ourselves, but having boundaries. Okay. It's not about disregard and just saying, oh, it won't matter, but it does because it continues to add up because you don't get something done. That day I needed to get those things done. And the thing I forgot did get done. And it meant that I had to do it at another time. And I was going to take time out later on to go do that, but it was worth it for me to not turn around and spend the five or 10 minutes going back to go get something because of the other things I had on the list that day. So Give yourself lots of compassion that can help you figure out what is true and what is not true, what works, what's not working. Be aware of how you are cloaking perfectionism in your own life. Own your story. And then here's the thing that's really important. Share it with someone who's earned the right to hear it. When I first owned my story, I shared it with me. I was like, oh my gosh. You know, and I was laughing with myself, I was driving around And then I told some of the closest people in my life. And then over time, I've been able to share publicly. I started with my clients and then here I am sharing it with you. Now, here's the thing. You don't have to have a podcast to share it with. You can share it with people in your own life, right? But the more that you can own it, then it creates self-acceptance. And I'm like, oh, this is a reminder of what I can do. And I also understand it gets in my own way. So remember, perfectionism is the birthplace of shame and shame means I am bad. And this is a voice that we can all struggle with. and We need to let that go. We're not bad. We are flawed human beings and we're doing very courageous thing by taking action and living in this one precious life that we have. While we don't want shame, it's important to understand shame so that we can experience it so we can move through it. Because we all have shame to experience, and that's okay. Let's just not add any more shame to our lives by trying to be perfect, because my friend, it's painful and exhausting. So I invite you notice where you are cloaking perfectionism in your own life. Be compassionate with yourself, love yourself, and get rooted in love and compassion, because you'll be astonished at what you can accomplish from not being perfect. Now, if this show resonates with you, Go check out enough, Howshereallydoesit.com it.com forward slash enough. This is the place where we get all this intellectual knowledge, and enough is where you get to implement it into your life. It's your mindset gym, it's your place to let go of being perfect. And if you want to actually show up in your life with confidence, enough will be your lifeline. So it's a custom made community of strong women who are harder than themselves and really want to live better by doing this life changing work together go to howshereallydoesit.com forward slash and apply. All right. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you. Hey. was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. On lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.